0: Hello, and welcome to Faculty Feed with me, Dr. Jerry Rabelais, Associate Vice President of Professional and Educational Development at the University of Louisville's Health Sciences Center. With me are my co-hosts, Dr. Stacey Sainer, Director of HSC Professional and Educational Development, and Dr. Laura Weingartner, Director of Research for Health Professions Education. Once a week, we'll come together and use this podcast to bring professional and educational development content to feed your hunger and satisfy your appetite so you can magnify your impact as an educator, clinician, researcher, and academic leader. Health Science Center learners across all four schools uniformly express concern about not getting feedback that works for them, that's actionable, that's valuable to them. They might get the end of the month report on their rotation or the end of a course report or they get grades on a test, but the kind of feedback that we all need to know how to do things better, unfortunately, many times in our clinical and learning environments is just not there. This podcast features our three neonatologists because they came to us and said, can you help us work on the feedback thing? And, and, and the, at the end, we created a workshop that we brought to them and designed it to help them think about how feedback might be delivered in the midst of clinical care. Because so much of our teaching is done while taking care of patients. It's not as though we're like English professors and we have a lecture and that's our, that's our teaching. And so... That's the background for today. I know you're going to enjoy it. These guys are I, I know these I've known these three for a long long time. Uh, I'm not going to say how long I've known Scott because that would <laughs> disclose probably some HIPAA violation. But um, thank you for coming or here. Hip or HIPAA violation. <laughs> yeah. Or or he did get a hip replaced. And so we have with us today Dr. Scott Duncan who's the division chief of neonatology at UofL and at the Norton Children's Hospital. We have Cindy Crabtree and Amanda Ferris who are faculty members in the division of neonatology. Both have participated in some of our programming, one in the leadership course, Liam, and and one in the health professions education program. So welcome to all three of you. What I'm gonna do now is ask you to individually introduce yourselves to, to the audience. So Scott, why don't we start with you? Sure, I'm Scott
1: Duncan. I'm division chief for neonatal medicine at University of Louisville. I spent the first 13 years of my career in a private practice setting and had the opportunity to return to the university um, and did so in 2004. I felt like I needed another skill set, so I went back to school and picked up a master's in healthcare administration from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, um, after my arrival back. And then while it was no set plans to become a division chief, uh, when my chief became ill, they asked if I'd be willing to do that, and I was happy to do so. I've been part of an integration plan with Norton Healthcare and have successfully maneuvered that integration over the last couple of years and now have a division that exceeds 30 physicians and more than yes oh my and more than 30 neonatal nurse practitioners wow. servicing from the Louisville metropolitan suburban area all the way to Paducah, Kentucky. That includes learners from all different levels from medical students, residents, fellows. And in fact, we have a lot of interaction with the school of nursing, particularly because there's a doctorate program as neonatal nurse practitioners that one of our practitioners, Leanne Baker heads up. Wow. So we have a lot of interactions with learners. So that's
0: a huge division, Scott. Yes. A lot of responsibility. Cindy. Tell us who you are.
2: Hey, this I'm Cindy Crabtree. Um, I am uh, did residency training here at University of Louisville and stayed for fellowship. Um, and um, when given the opportunity to be able to stick around in Louisville, definitely jumped at it just because it's a place that I really truly believe in and a training program that um, raised me, so to speak. Um, and so whenever I was offered the opportunity to be involved in the fellowship training program, um, it just felt like the perfect fit, the next right step that I didn't realize I was going to take or have the opportunity to get to take, but it has been quite the exciting year, and I'm excited to now be the um, fellowship program director. Wow, that's great.
0: Congratulations.
2: Thank you, and happily to do it with my partner in crime. Um That's gonna introduce introduce herself now. (laughs) We get into some things.
3: Amanda, we do. Um, Yeah, so I'm Amanda Ferris. Um, I came to Louisville in um, as an undergrad, and not realizing that I was gonna be here, uh, I have been here ever since. So I did my medical school training here, residency fellowship, and then, um, like Cindy, when I had the opportunity to stay, was absolutely thrilled to stay and then when I had the opportunity to take on a program leadership role. um, So I'm the Associate Program Director for the Neonatal Fellowship Program. So we, uh, Cindy and I, work very closely together and uh, get into lots of exciting things and um, you know including trying to you know revamp certain pieces and make sure that we're doing the best by our learners especially our fellows but as Scott mentioned you know all levels of learners that we interact with.
0: Tell us a bit about the environment within which you work day to day where you've got patients to deal with and you've got learners probably at multiple levels i'd imagine so tell us about what that looks like
2: yeah it's a great question and it can vary you know as uh, scott alluded to we have a number of different units where in and of itself um, even the high-risk clinic that we have trainees and at every phase our faculty are required to transition to be able to teach and lead based on what it is that specific unit or clinic setting requires. And so it can be difficult, um, you know, and I can tell you that coming in from a training role into now a faculty role where I'm leading the team and doing all these things, it can be really overwhelming, particularly, you know, our units where at any given point you can have a number of babies with very high acuity, you know, deliveries, transports, acute code situations, consultants that urgently need a discussion with you, all in the midst of balancing a team and really trying to include all levels of trainees, from a medical student that has never seen an intubated baby, to a resident who has maybe seen them once when they were at L, and now over at Children's, you know, to a fellow that is at either a first year level or a third year level, and you're trying to give them autonomy and let them lead the team. And so there's definitely a lot of um, active things happening that our faculty members have to balance. And so as you can imagine, this is why we sought you all out, because we the, our trainees see a ton. There's lots of pathology. We pull from all over the state. They get to do a lot. They get to see a lot. Um, they round they do all the things but that feedback piece were, were we really delivering on that piece maybe yes maybe no probably more often no but not because we're not good at it or can't It's literally do we have the time to do it or can we make the time to do it so
0: it's it sounds like a very exciting yet chaotic challenging environment if all you if all you had to do is take care of the patients. There would be plenty to do in a given day, but you've got multiple learners, learners at different levels, and you need to be able to, I'm gonna say, teach and provide feedback to them about how they're doing. And first, my hat's off to you. To be able to take that on and do that in one of the most intense care environments you can imagine where stuff just keeps happening. And so thank you for being there. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for getting trained here and staying and and being willing now to contribute as directors of the fellowship program. That's just, just fabulous. So Cindy, you mentioned feedback and how it's hard in the midst of this chaos to consistently get feedback information back to learners. What do they need feedback
3: for? The learner wants to make sure they're doing the things right, that they're you know, getting things in the note that need to be in the note, that they're paying attention to the things that they need to pay attention to, that they're recognizing changes in acuity and, and care and getting feedback from both the clinical perspective and from all the other pieces that they're trying to do in their day. Um, whereas I may want to give feedback that's kind of more related to how does this rotation fit into their ultimate life plans and their ultimate role as a clinician and an educator and everything else as they're moving through their training. Um, and so I think there's so many different levels and knowing what levels and what pieces of that feedback are important to each person is really important.
1: Scott? When it comes to providing feedback in this challenging situation, one of the things that I think about and when I'm discussing with, particularly with residents, that's, that's the one that first comes to mind, we certainly want to create uh, opportunity for them to gather additional knowledge, a differential diagnosis of respiratory distress, an understanding of the different organisms that can cause sepsis. But part of what they need and develop in that feedback, and it's in one of the models that we will, I'm sure we'll discuss later on, is the concept that we want to help model behavior as much as anything else. Yeah. We want to make sure coming out that you're an astute clinician, and particularly one of the things that I try to drive at is I'm as, I'm as interested in how you go in your decision-making process from point A to point B, rather than making sure you understand the the three things that can cause respiratory distress. I can teach that very easily, but modeling that behavior and that thought process that takes you from one point to another, I think is, is integral to the development of the physician. I
0: know and have known about two different kinds. Yes. Stacey might have more, but basically summative and formative feedback. So Stacy, you're the card-carrying educator here. I'd like you to share with the group Summative informative feedback and which one are we going to really talk about today. All
4: right. So when we think about feedback, yes, there are, are basically two types summative, summative feedback is the end of the rotation feedback, summative feedback is an assessment. It's a grade. It's a, how did you do? I think of it as an autopsy, right? You can't go back and change it once the summative feedback has occurred feedback we are going to concentrate on is the formative feedback or the feedback that can change on the fly, the feedback that can help that learner think and make decisions in order to improve over the course of time. And so you and I actually worked for an extended period of time to come up with a, what I I'm really loving this definition that we kind of threw together. Um, so our definition that we're using for formative feedback is specific information provided in a co-constructive interaction to improve performance by challenging ways of thinking, acting, or being within a safe and respectful
0: relationship. So by definition, this can't happen at the end of the month. No way. You can't co-construct. You no. You can't provide this information that people can use to change how they are doing something or how they're thinking about something. And so of the two, I suspect the vast majority of the time, the only feedback that people get is summative, the vast majority, because you have to turn it in at the end of the month, right? Formative feedback is the in the moment as we're making rounds, as they're making the presentation, as they're doing the spinal tap. It's that kind of feedback. Just imagine if you were taking Uh, let's say tennis lessons, and you take tennis lessons for a month and the tennis instructor watches you for a month. And at the end of the month, he provides you with a report that says, well, you know, your forehand, you could do this and you should stand this way and your left foot never seems to be in the right place. And and the, the immediate thought has to be, why didn't you tell me this for the past month? I could have been working on it. Maybe I'd be better now than I was then. That's this improved performance piece of the definition. And so when we think of the learners that we have, it is our duty to provide this kind of co-constructive side-by-side partnership and feedback because you've seen hundreds or thousands of this experience in front of them. And for them, it might be the first, second, or third intubated baby or septic baby or whatever the issue is. And so we as educators, have an obligation a duty to be right there like the tennis coach like the golf coach in the moment with the learner helping them unfortunately it's complicated because the tennis coach is also playing a match while he's talking to you about your tennis right (laughs) and so you're in the course of (laughs) taking care of sick babies and new ones show up and run to the delivery room and come back and so but nonetheless that in the moment feedback i'd offer is so much more important than whatever you write on a piece of paper at the end of the month because usually you've forgotten some pieces of what they did or didn't do. It's too generic and might've been in the course of five attendings that they dealt with over that, over that month. And they can't do anything with it. It's not actionable, it doesn't help them. So formative feedback is where we wanna talk. We've given you the definition. And so tell us something about the prompt that came to us to say, Help us with this whole feedback thing.
3: Well, I was in um, one of my HPE classes and Stacy and I had talked several times about different potentials. And I remember one day she was like, we've been thinking about working on a, a feedback session. And I, that just like threw up a little flag in my head because time and time again, every year when we go through survey data from our program, when we talk with faculty, when we talk with learners, feedback is comes up over and over and over again, wanting you know different feedback, Better feedback, timely feedback. You know, whatever issue is brought forward, it is something that we talk about and strategize about and try different strategies. And so, when she said that, I remember I circled back with her and I said, "When would be a good time to do this?" <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so we emailed back and forth, and of course we hung out together in our HPE class and, and set a time for it. But that was, you know, she kind of planted that seed, and then with all of our experiences, really wanted to to explore that.
2: You know, I really enjoyed in the workshop was the concept of stepping back and looking at feedback as formative and summative because I will say that obviously I know that there's in the moment and end of the rotation feedback or end of the semester grade or whatever learning situation it is that you find yourself in. Or training situation but I really don't know if I truly appreciated the difference until after the workshop session and really thought about because I you know I came at this feedback and probably the three of us and many others in our division have spoke as you know we're as we've integrated our group um, we have a number of new faculty that are now in an academic on an academic team or in an academic training environment we are our rotations are different where we were on two weeks before and we had a little bit more longevity with a trainee now we're on week at a time week on week off those kinds of things and like how do we really just get good at this feedback we're not with them for very long and I really took this though as a spin of like I don't need to be with them for very long right uh-huh. necessarily you know depending on what it is that we're trying to you know and i like to think about i'm trying to promote something about promote their knowledge promote their growth promote a procedural skill whatever it is they need do i need two weeks straight with them I, you know depending on what it is they're needing me to look at and view and is it how they communicate with a family well let's walk in and you do the talking and. We'll talk about how it went, and then we'll go do it again with the next family that we have to go see.
0: Yeah, Cindy, that's a great point, and 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 I think is generalizable across all of the Health Science Center learning environments. We are all in shorter exposures to the learners. And and so you have one week. Go to the emergency department. They're there for a shift, right? It's 12 hours, and then they're out and might not see that learner again and gone are the days of the 80s where you did a month at a time on the ID service (laughs) with the same resident, right? That just doesn't happen anymore. And so we're all faced with these short-term exposures and feedback, we know it's been looked at, feedback in that setting is harder because of these short-term exposures. The relationship is not there. There's not an apprentice-like relationship that develops because it's just so short. But if you look at it not as summative, but as formative feedback, and the way I remember formative feedback is the FOR, it's feedback for learning. Yep. That's how I remember the difference between the two. So if you need a, a memory hook, try that one. And so you're right, Cindy. You don't have to be there two weeks. In the hour you're with them rounding, they might do something with the differential that you think, they need some some help with how they critically think about the differential in this particular patient. And that's something that can be done in the moment by any of us, even in the absence of a long-term relationship. So that's why I think this is so important and it's generalizable. So Amanda, thank you for following up on Stacy's suggestion <laughs> to actually formalize, because it, it, it really did push us to finally put the thing, we've been talking about it for months, to finally put a feedback thing together for you guys. So... In that session, Stacy, we, we presented some scenarios Correct. and asked the, the assembled group of neonatologists to talk about how they might handle them. And as I recall, we had one where there was a, a, a procedural issue, like a spinal tap that thought some minor modifications might be done. There was some one around communication skills. Maybe we're talking with a family, as Cindy mentioned. And so we talked about some different models for how to approach that.
4: The two models that we talked about, I think a lot of people have heard of, especially the Pendleton model, it's a classic that, that is used in medical education and health professions education. Um, we introduced the Co model, which is actually a, a four-step process where you're almost trying to make sure the learner knows they can achieve this, right? Creating this growth mindset. And so first you're gonna say, here are the expectations and I want you to know that I believe you can achieve this. So that's basically step one and two. The third is some specific guidance in how to improve. And so that's one of the, the key aspects of any type of feedback is that specific feedback, something actionable. And then, of course, the last part of this particular model is looking at... How can you, as the attending or the, the faculty, help them improve? What resources can you provide? What other support? And so that's that co constructing environment, you know, working together uh, in this collaborative environment. And so that's kind of the Cole model. And then the Pendleton model, which a lot of medical educators have used or have heard of in the past, it's, it's the classic asking the learner what went well. Uh, Then you tell them what you observed that went well, and then asking them what were areas that you could improve on. And then you, as the the faculty, letting them know what areas you, as faculty, thought they could improve on. And so those are the two, you know, the gist of those two
0: types of models that we
4: worked on in the workshop with them. So
0: both are four-step processes. Mm -hmm. One really says, this is what I expect. I really think you can do it here's some specific things you can do to get better, and here's something to help you read, look at, TED talk, whatever. And the other one is very easy to remember. Mm-hmm. It's what went well, I'll tell you what I thought went well, what went bad, I'll tell you what I thought went bad. That's an easier one for me to just sort of keep in my head. So for the audience, those are the two models, Colin Pendleton. Now, for you guys, what did you do after the workshop with that information?
2: Amanda and I have had a lot of side conversations specifically for the fellows and developing some feedback strategies for the faculty um, and that's ongoing Um, but for me personally was that set the stage piece was that this is I'm framing the experience for this week with me in a way that this is what's going to happen it's not because you're a bad resident or a subpar medical student or a fellow that's just not cutting it and I have to sit down and really lay the law down on how you're performing. It's this is an expectation that this is a part of your training. You have a small snapshot in time to really soak as much in as you can and get feedback to really mold who you are going to be when you finish training and you're on your own and frame it in that way that this is your opportunity. How can I help you? What can I do? And this is the expectation we're going to have this week for what we're going to do moving forward. And that it, then I have felt, and I've done this the past few times I've been on service. I've just felt like a culture shift that it was almost kind of everybody relaxed a bit. Their shoulders (laughs) came down, you know, there wasn't as much like over there frantically typing to be readied around on time that it was like, if We're, you know, we will, this is, we're going to work on things. We're going to have a culture that, you know, we have these expectations, yes, but every step of the way, we're going to work to get you to where you need to be. And that's okay. I don't expect you all to be an attending neonatologist or an attending in the clinic or an expert ID physician. No one expects that from the trainees. It's meet them where they're at and where we want to be by the end of this week.
0: Well, I think that's so important, setting that stage, and especially when you mentioned that they look like the tension just went out of them, they relaxed, their shoulders came down, because you're much more likely to learn, right, Stacy, in that environment than if I'm deathly afraid of Scott Duncan, grounding <laughs> with him. He's, I've heard the the rumors, right? Terrifying. And, no. <laughs> and you're terrified. Now we've all had attendings like that, Absolutely. where where oh, you were yes. afraid of the person who's supposed to be teaching you, deathly afraid to make a mistake, and. The learning is impaired in that environment. There has to be accountability. There has to be, the the work has to get done. But boy, it doesn't have to happen with emotion and anger and tension, no. right? I mean,
4: the more relaxed they are, the more willing and, and able they are to soak in information and learn, uh, because if they are anxious or scared, afraid, they shut down, right? And they're not going to be able to learn. And that environment is not gonna, is not a good place for them to experience these learning opportunities.
0: At the end of each podcast, uh, because it's such a passive event, just sort of listening in your car on the way to work or on your way home, we, we ask our guest to provide a, a specific application that the listeners could do that you'd like them to do in the week after they hear this podcast.
1: I would actually, I would give you two. Okay. Um, And the first one I'm gonna suggest is is that you explore the two models and specifically that you explore that coal model because I think that coal model um, has a little more tooth to it as well. Um, The other one I'm gonna give you more as a perspective of the division chief. When you're looking at your faculty and recognize that none of them have teaching certificates or masters in education, There are resources available through Health Sciences Center, through Jerry, you, and Stacy. Take advantage of those. Have people come into your division, provide educational opportunities for your faculty so that they can become better teachers.
3: I think one of the things that stands out to me, especially as working through the Cole model, is that reminder that it is really important to remind your learners that you believe that they can achieve these expectations, and I feel like that's an easy part to leave out. And so I would, I would again, like Scott said, explore the core model, but think specifically about this positive framing, the growth mindset, fostering that piece.
0: Scott, Cindy, Amanda, Stacy. Yeah, we're all. Thank <laughs> you for for coming today and talking about this critically important topic uh, around feedback because as educators our job is to help them form their professional identity and their skill set and have them practice that and, and it's difficult for them to do that in the absence of feedback in the moment that formative feedback sounds like you've you're well on your way to implementing it in this huge neonatal enterprise that you that you oversee and work in so thank you again for coming to faculty feed and joining us
4: if you want to up your game or enhance your skills in the academic setting This is the place to be. As together, we strive to make the University of Louisville a great place to learn, a great place to work, and a great place to discover and connect. Don't forget to check out the show notes for links and additional resources about today's episode. And feel free to contact us at facfeed at louisville.edu. That's F-A-C-F-E-E-D at louisville.edu.
0: Join us next time for more and come hungry.